0: Bibles tonight to Revelation chapter 19 and leave your finger there, leave your finger there in Revelation 19 and turn and open up to the first chapter, chapter 1. Anytime you uh, start in the middle or the late part of a book to teach it, it is important to see kind of what's gone on, especially in the book of Revelation. And for the sake of the study, we will be uh, jumping around a little bit. Um, So it is important that you have your Bible and it's out and it's ready to go. It's going to be a little tough maybe for you guys on the uh, iPad or iPhone. We will be jumping around a little bit. That is the one nice thing about your Bible. You can get to and from pretty quickly if you have, uh, have your finger stuck in the spot that we were in but our main text is going to be chapter 19 but we're going to start in chapter 1 now the book of revelation is full of pictures is full of snapshots it, it's full of short video clips or scenes that were given to John the apostle and these video clips these scenes these pictures are about history history past history present and history, future. John was shown these pictures and told to write a description of them. And he, and he received these visions in these pictures while he was on the island of Patmos, imprisoned for his faith. This is John the Apostle, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, and the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And if you look at 19 of chapter 1, 19 of chapter 1, John is told to write these things which you have seen. Now, at this point, 19 verses in, what John had seen is the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. A glorified Jesus in his glorified state. If you'll look up at at verse 17 and 18, it says... And when I saw him, this is John, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. He was paralyzed. He was lifeless. He was limp. He passed out. The vision of Jesus was so incredible. What he saw was so incredible, and it hit him so hard. You see, John the apostle had spent three years with Jesus. He was the apostle that Jesus loved, and he hadn't seen him for 50 or 60 years. And there he is in his glorified state. And he passes out. And then it says, it says, I felt his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, am alive forevermore. No doubt, that's Jesus. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So back to, back to verse 19, John was told, write the things which you have seen, Jesus, and the things that are, what's next is chapters 2 and 3, and Jesus gives John seven messages to the seven churches which were in Asia at that time. And these messages were for them at the time, at their, in their present state. Seven messages to seven churches, the church of Ephesus, the loveless church the church of smyrna the church that had been persecuted the church of pergamus the church that was corrupted by the world or that had compromised with the world the church of thyatira that had been corrupted by the world the church of sardis that had been that had become absolutely dead in their walk with jesus the church of philadelphia that was faithful that was faithful and the church of laodicea that was lukewarm Seven messages to seven churches in chapters two and three. Messages that yet today we can live by. Our lives, our families, and our churches. That we we would never become loveless in our walk. That yeah, as a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. That we'd never be compromising with the world in our walk. That we'd never be corrupted by this world in our walk. That we'd never become dead in our walk with the Lord. That we'd be faithful and be be careful never to be fake or phony or lukewarm in our walk. Seven messages. So he says back in verse 19, write the things which you have seen, Jesus, and the things which are, the messages to the churches, and the things which will take place after this. Chapters 4 through the end of the book chapter 22, are the things that will take place after this. That's how you can break up the book of Revelation. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4 and verse 1. John says, After these things, in other words, the vision of Jesus, and the giving of the letters for the churches, after these things I, John, looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, extremely loud, saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after this. So in John's, as, as it's concerned to John, chapters 4 through 22, and all of, the, all of the visions and all of the scenes and all the clips that he sees of history are future to him. Now, in chapter 19, tonight, we're going to see a picture. We're actually going to see two scenes and two pictures, kind of in one. And I'll warn you now, one is extremely sobering and frightful. One is very end-of-the-world stuff. And one is very glorious and exciting and something that we should all be waiting for and looking for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, your love and your graciousness that you poured out to us. But Lord, tonight we pray as we look at your word and and we study it, Lord, and and we just, Lord, we want to learn it and know it. And we know that we need you. We know that we can not understand it outside of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us to be submitted to you. Help our minds to be submitted to you, Holy Spirit, tonight, that we might understand, that we might grow, that we might be better at the things you've called us to. Lord, that we might have power to be witnesses. That we might understand the things that are coming, Lord, that would, that would excite us as your children to know you even more. Lord, if we study and those things don't happen, it isn't worth anything, Lord. So help, help us tonight to receive from you. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Revelation 19 and verse 1 now once again we see these words after these things and we have to remember we have to remember that John is being shown glimpses, pictures of the future and It's not all chronological. It doesn't all just come out just like, uh, you know, A, B, C, and D. Sometimes some of the pictures are an expansion of a picture he's already seen. And so when you read through and as you read through, and when we finish this study tonight, I guarantee there might be more questions that you have in your mind than what you ever came with tonight. I know it is for me when I read through these things because there's a lot of information here and some of it, a lot of it is symbolic and some of it is lit to be taken literal. And so we have to read and study and ask the Lord to show us these things. Okay, and so, so he says after these things, well, what things? It's the things that have happened from chapters 4 to 18 because we're in 19. After those things, after those pictures that he has seen, So once again, a a quick synopsis of what he's seen. He has seen pictures and glimpses of the throne room of God and a time of great tribulation upon the earth. God has said there will be a seven-year tribulation upon the earth to try the earth, to bring judgment to the the ungodly, a time of God's judgment, also a time when God will be working in the hearts of those uh, in Israel, his chosen people. Also a time when men can yet still get saved during this time of judgment. But it is a time of judgment. And so John sees these visions. And he sees the seven seals as Jesus takes the deed to the earth. And, he, and it's wrapped in, in seven seals. And he begins to unwrap each seal. And each seal represents A judgment that brings us closer closer to usher in the time of great tribulation. He's seen the seven trumpet judgments, and I'll briefly summarize them. One of them, the vegetation is is struck. A third of the trees are gone. The seas are struck. A third of the sea creatures are dead. A third of the sun's power was struck. God has a temporary plan for global warming. Locusts in these trumpets have the ability to sting men, and they're set loose. A third of mankind was killed by plagues. He, then he sees the pictures of the Seven Bowl judgments. Men are struck with nasty sores on their body. So the sea turns to blood, and sea creatures are and, and all of the sea creatures die at that point. The waters turn to blood. Global warming returns as the sun now scorches men. The earth is shaken. There is not an island found on the earth and the mountains fall. He says, after I saw these things. After I saw these things. Look at verse 19. Or verse 1 of chapter 19. After these things. I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to our God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Something that each of us believers should get used to saying. We're gonna say it a lot in heaven. We're gonna say it a lot. And it's said with a loud voice. Now, I like to always, when I'm I'm in this chapter and and in some of these and seeing teaching on some of these portions in, in Revelation, I always like to point out this one thing that sometimes we can forget. John is seeing the future. At this point in Revelation 19, we are at the end of the tribulation. Where are you and I? If you're a believer, if you're a brother or sister in Jesus Christ tonight, John sees you in the great multitude saying, Alleluia, because it is yet future. He sees you because you will be there. Because you see to the faithful church, one of the messages to the faithful church in Revelation 3 and 10 is that the faithful church and those believers that are saved, he says, because you have kept my word and been faithful and kept my commandment, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is to come upon the whole world to test the world. I believe that's this hour of trial, the seven-year tribulation, I believe will be taken out. And so we're in heaven and we see We say hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, why are we in heaven saying hallelujah? Let's read on. Look at verse 2. It says for or because. We are saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, because true and righteous are his judgments. Because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, "Hallelujah!" for her smoke rises up forever and ever. In other words, her destruction is final. Now, we're left at this point with a couple of questions. We've just seen that God has brought judgment to this harlot. Who is this harlot? Question number one. And why specifically are we praising Lord, the Lord, for her destruction? And hopefully we can answer those two questions at least a little bit. Now John has already seen a picture of this great harlot. And as we go through and look at the times in Revelation now, as as the harlot is spoken of, look for clues to who exactly this is. Or what exactly this is. Turn to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is an earlier picture that John has seen, and it, and it has much more detail. In chapter 17, in verse 1, it says, then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, those are the seven bowl judgments, came and talked with me, saying, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she so he carried me away in the spirit to the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which is full of the names, names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. For the sake of time tonight, I'm going to tell you exactly who that scarlet beast is. It is the Antichrist, who gets his power from the dragon, who is Satan. We'll see more of that later. But this woman, this harlot, is sitting on the beast, who represents Antichrist, And it says, and the woman was arrayed, verse 4, in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Now, at this point, I want to stop for just a second. We'll read on, we'll read through verse 6 in just a bit. The Holy Spirit, God, has mentioned this woman and fornication three times as her sin, and her sin that she has corrupted on the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. Now we know that the physical form of, for- of fornication is sex outside of marriage. The spiritual form of fornication is living life outside of God, with other gods. Now it is interesting, you know, in God's plan, right from the very first book of the Bible, right from the first creation of man, God sets up marriage between one man and one woman, and the sexual relationship in order to have a family between that to be, to be shared, for that, for that husband and wife to become one, to be together forever. Whole exclusive, only for that. You see, and anything outside of that plan, God still takes seriously and he calls it fornication. And she's guilty of it, with the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. Let's read on, chapter chapter 5. And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled in amazement. We have a little clearer picture. This harlot is... Mystery Babylon the Great, that's her name. We see also that this harlot is responsible for the blood of the saints. The blood of the servants of God. The blood of the martyrs. This harlot is is indeed Mystery Babylon the Great. And the proclamations of of Babylon falling to judgment start clear back in chapter 14. So go with me now to chapter 14 and verse 8, and we will work our way through each and every time that Babylon and the falling of Babylon and the proclamation of Babylon's judgment is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Still looking for clues, still looking for Lord. Who who exactly is this? Because even though we've seen that this harlot is called Mystery Babylon the Great, we still don't have a real clear picture yet. It's still a bit of a mystery. Chapter 14 and verse 8, it says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Again, go to chapter 16 and verse 19. Chapter 16 and verse 19. He says, now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Go down to chapter 18 and verse 2. Chapter 18 and verse 2. It says, and he cried mightily. This is, an, this is another angel with a, vo- with a voice, with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. You see, at this portion, and in, 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 in this time on the earth and in time of God's judgment and as his church is taken out of the world, the church is gone. Most all of your tribulation saints, those that have been saved during this time and haven't taken the mark of the beast, they're gone. And so what's left? Ungodly men, evil wicked spirits. Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet those who would indeed take up arms against God. Look at verse 9 of chapter 18. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing in a distance for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. In one hour your judgment has come. Now, I believe that this one hour speaks of the time of great tribulation. I believe that Babylon, because our, the judgment and the judgment of her falling starts clear back before the bold judgments even start in, in chapter 14. We see it throughout. We've read each of them. And I believe it's a progression that it's not a literal hour, just like the hour of trial that we will be kept from on that on comes upon this earth isn't a literal hour, hour, but a segment of time, a specific segment of time that God is doing something on the earth. Look at verse 21 of chapter 18. Then a mighty angel Took a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The judgment will be complete. Look at verse 23 of chapter 18. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants, who were the great men of the earth, <clears throat> for by your sorcery all nations were deceived. And, and this is key right here, verse 24. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all who were slain on the earth. All who were slain on the earth. Now, as John sees these pictures and these vignettes and these and these portions of the future, there is indeed lots of symbolism, lots of imagery. John John is, is hearing and describing with words things that are actually just representative of something else, an analogy, a picture, an image Satan is seen as a dragon. The Antichrist is seen as a beast. The false prophet is seen as another beast. Jesus himself has several names. He is is called indeed the bright and morning star, the rider on the white horse, the lion of the tribe, tribe of Judah, the lamb that had been slain. So what is represented? What is represented? The great harlot, Mystery Babylon, the great, the great city. Now, it is a major question for theologians. It is a major question for those that teach the book of Revelation, that try to teach the book of Revelation. And many have surmised and looked at all of chapter 17 and 18, which I encourage you, as again, as we're bouncing around, you have to go back, read the whole book Read all of it. As difficult and as confused you might, as you might get in your brain, read it and read it over and over, you see. <clears throat> but men have, men have thought in their minds at different times that Babylon, the great here, the great harlot, could be the city of Rome. It conjoined with the Catholic Church and all the abominations there. At times, perhaps, the whole uh, European nations coming together. At times, it it has been surmised that it could could be uh, a counterfeit church. Some say, oh, America. If If you read through chapter 18, wow, America could be right there. Now, I do not believe... That it is possible for one city, one nation, one religion, one group to be responsible for everything that God says Babylon is responsible for here. You see, Babylon is said to be responsible for all the nations becoming drunk and taking part in this. For all the ships that sail on the sea to become rich by her. For all to be deceived by her. In her was found the, the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who were slain. That group of people, the prophets, the saints, and all who were shed, who, who had their blood shed for Jesus, happens throughout history. Many nations and peoples and religions are responsible for that. So what is it? What is the destruction of Babylon? Babylon. I believe that because this harlot sits on the beast, the Antichrist, and the Antichrist gets his power from the dragon, Satan, I believe that the harlot, Babylon, the great, is representing the ungodly systems of man, devised and encouraged and controlled by Satan himself. So that, so that anyone in this world takes part in Babylon's sin and is, and is part of the Babylonian system of life without God. Life, governments, schools, nations, people trying to live without God in their life. Any religious or economic or political system that man leaves God out of, that man leaves God and the gospel of Jesus Christ out of is represented by Babylon. John tells us in First in John, in John 5 and 19 in his letter, we know that we are of God, the people of God, and that the whole world, the whole world lies under the sway of of the wicked one. Look once again in chapter 18 with me, starting at verse 3. Chapter 18 and verse 3. And this will fur- further describe this. He says, continuing to, to describe Babylon, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of, of the wrath of her fornication. This sounds like something we've read before, hasn't it? But we haven't. It is yet another description. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. Now where has God called his people from? Every tribe, tongue, and nation on the earth. God calls his people from all over, every nation. And he says, come out of her, lest you take part in her sins. Lest you take part in her, in her plagues. So, so this is a call out to God's people before destruction comes, before judgment comes. God's grace and his mercy, reminding his people, come out of her because he knows what? He has placed us, his people, in the midst of a wicked and dying world. Come out of her. Don't take part of her. Don't take part of a system of self-rule. Erickson judges right now. What's the theme? I rule same old lie of satan same old lie of satan from the garden to the tower of babel to a time when 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 israel even god's people began to think that they could just kind of rule themselves and 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 and, and go to other gods and and have have them you know over them and and kind of rule themselves Because the world has departed from God's plan and believes Satan's lie. Indeed, it will be judged. Indeed, it will be judged. Now, once again, when man attempts to use governments, schools, militaries, Systems of judges, religions, businesses, philosophies, medicines, families, churches without God. It's a departing from his plan. You see, God wanted to be God of all of that all of that. And he calls out to his people, come out of that. Come out of this world system that's godless. Don't be part of it. Now, as we come out of a godless world, we have to make sure that we know what we're stepping into, and that is a world where we give ourselves wholly to Jesus Christ. I want to be ruled by you. Everything I say, everything I do, everything I am, all all that I long to become, Lord, I want it to be be about you. Now, lest we forget where we're at, go back to to Revelation 19 and 1, because if you'll remember, we were in the throne room of God, and we were saying hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We were. Look at verse 1 again, since it's been so long since we were there. After these things, I heard a loud voice, a voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who has corrupted the earth with her fornication. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises forever and ever. Now, why are we praising her? Why are we praising God for her destruction? This begs a question. The heart of God is not for people to perish. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. The heart of God is, is that all men would be saved, and yet he will not force man to be saved. And so there is a time of victory. There is a time when the saints have their prayers answered, Lord, how long? Have you ever looked at the world, looked at the news, looked at the different things that happened? Go, Lord, how long? How long is this going to go on? (coughs) You know, I think we do this the most. We do this the most. The closer it hits to us. We have become so hardened by our news that when a man Stabs six of his college co-eds and kills them simply because girls don't treat him nice. Gets a couple of days' news. But yet, when it hits close to home, oh Lord, how long? How long? How long, Lord, before this ends? How long, Lord, before we don't send our men off to war anymore? How long, O oh Lord, before our children never have the oppor- even an opportunity to be taken from us or abused? You see, we try to make our world perfect. And we try to always make our world happy. And we try to dress our world up. And folks, God wants us to live and have life and life more abundantly and have joy. Absolutely. And yet, we live in a fallen, sinful world. And so that's why we're praising God. That's why we're lifting His name high. Look at verse 4 of chapter 19. (coughs) And the 24 elders... And the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Alleluia. Then then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, God, all you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and as the sound of a mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent or all powerful reigns. Let us be glad and let us rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And it was granted to and it was granted to her and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Picture number one, the judgment of Babylon. And the praising of God's people that, oh Lord, it's over, you're bringing this to an end. Picture number two, the bride of Christ has made herself ready and God has granted her to be dressed in fine linen, white, the marriage of the Lamb, the marriage of the Lamb. Now, real quickly, as we close with this picture, and as, and as we see what this picture means, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 22. This scripture is used to encourage wives and husbands to be an example of Jesus Christ in his church. And so as we read through it, a lot of times you would get this scripture when you're being pounded on marriage, you know, the wife submit and the husband love. What I want you to look at is Jesus Christ in the church as we read through the scripture. It says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bone. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. When Paul wrote that, John had not received the revelation of Jesus Christ. But that's what we just read in Revelation 19. The marriage of the Lamb. The relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church. Because we have made him our God. He has made us his bride. We have submitted ourselves 100% to him. Then it says, I will nourish and I will cherish Do you know, church, that you are cherished by God? Do you know that as you pick up your Bible in the morning and you read it, that God is, in fact, nourishing you through the Holy Spirit? Do you know that he cherishes you so much that each and all of your uniqueness and all, and all of us as individuals, the uniqueness of us as individuals, the uniqueness of us as, as churches, as, as the body of Christ, he wants to use in each place just as he sets us in his kingdom. And then at some point, indeed, we will be with him. Now, going back really quickly to Revelation Chapter 19 and verse 9. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. These are the true sayings of God. Just as God said that there would be a flood, and there was. Just as God said Israel would be a great nation, and they were. Just as God said he would send his only son to be born, he did. Just as God said his only son would die on a cross, he did. Just as God said his only son would rise from the dead, he did. Just as God said his witnesses, the church, would go out and spread the gospel in all of the earth, so it has happened. Just as that, so the words of Revelation are true as well. You see, and we live in this world that indeed is dominated by self. So, so much sometimes that we get frustrated, so much that, that we, can, we, can, we can be angry. You see, but he's, he's got us here for a reason, to be salt of the earth, to be light, so that this judgment that we've seen we can take as many people from that judgment as possible by sharing the gospel, by, by living out our faith, by being the body of Christ. But we have to be wholly submitted to Jesus Christ and not submitted to this world. Not submitted to this world. Look at verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant. And I am your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It will be interesting to see exactly which brother in Christ John was speaking to. But this brother says, don't worship me. I'm just like you. I have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Every prophecy points to Jesus Christ. Every prophecy points to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Everything in the Word of God is about Jesus. He indeed is the Word of God. He says, worship Him. Worship Him. Do you have the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life? Do you have the testimony of the gospel in your life tonight? What part of you is still trapped In Babylon. What part of your life is still messing with the world? And controlled by this, I'm going to do it my way. Excited for the end of those days. Excited for the time when he indeed will take his church home. When we indeed will be with him and there will be no more tears. And there will be no more sorrow. And we will rule and reign with him indeed. That's our scripture tonight. That's the pictures we see tonight. What, which picture do you find yourself in tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Oh Lord, I feel that even in the words Lord that I spoke earlier that as we go through these scriptures because because this is future and yet to come Lord sometimes there's more questions Lord but surely tonight you've shown us these pictures a picture of judgment on this world that wants to try to live outside of you Father, we all have friends and family members and co-workers that are in that place. Lord, some of us, even as your children, Lord, are are still walking in in that world. Lord, help us to come out of that. Lord, help us to understand what it means to be submitted to you in all ways. Lord, tonight, if there is one Lord, if there's just one here tonight that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you'd be working in their heart and in their mind. Lord, drawing them to you. Lord, helping them to see that indeed you're a God who judges sin, but you're a God who loves first.